Well, good morning again. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 5. John chapter 5. The title of my message today is called The Desire for Wholeness. The Desire for Wholeness. I want to congratulate Carson Briscoe on your high school graduation. What other, who other, if you're a high school, you just graduated from high school, would you just raise your hand? He's the only one I noticed today. Maybe anyone else around here? So this is Carson. Carson, raise your hand up. And so, yeah, we're proud of you, Carson. And we're cheering on those commandos, you know. Are, are you guys still playing? Okay, so get behind the commando. He's on the baseball team, and they're still playing. And I've got to also acknowledge that she was working the first service, but Carly Powell, she's not in here, is she? Is Carly Powell in here? Okay, well, her whole family, she was working the first service. But, guys, Carly Powell has grown up in her church. Her mom's on staff here, was the Beach High School Valedictorian. And so we're so proud of her. So when you see Carly, just cheer her on. She's an amazing young lady. And uh, we celebrated with her that, in that 9 a.m. service. And I wanted to acknowledge that. So, man, what a great time. We, we, love, we love our graduates. And um, my two nephews graduated also. And and I acknowledged them, and then my youngest son graduated. So I'm an empty nester now. But the house is full of the kids, so I don't know how that happened. And they're all, they're all wanting lunch here in another hour, so I don't know. No, it doesn't feel empty. But then my daughter, my 22-year-old daughter, she, she talked about moving to um, Europe and South America, but she just graduated from college, and she is moving to Sumner County, Tennessee. My grand plan worked. And... Uh, she led us in worship today, and you'll hear her sing uh, when we close service in a few minutes. So I just, it's, uh, it's awesome to have you here, Abby. Well, if you're able to, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Um, and one of the reasons we're doing that today is if you're, if you're going to be baptized or a bab- baptismal participant, I'm going to ask you to go to the back door right now, and we should have one of our leaders there. And I see, I tell you what, uh, Deborah, just in case, they may have already grabbed them all. Will you go back there because... Uh, I don't see Mauricio or Normandy, so I just want to make sure. If, you, if you're getting baptized in water, uh, Pastor Deborah, who made announcements, is headed to the back exit door, and she'll make sure to get you where you need to be. Uh, John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate. In Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethsaida in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. With these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But when I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. So let me just give some quick commentary. Evidently, there was a legend that when the water was stirred, healing would happen. But we all know that all myths don't compare to the person of Jesus Christ. And he is our healing. That's one of the lessons we will learn in today's teaching. Verse 8, get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you you may be seated. So in 2016, something amazing happened. There were several things amazing that happened back then, but one of them you may have forgotten. After 108 years, the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series. 
Up until that point, that's the longest streak of a professional team without winning a championship. And the Cubs fans, it, they kind of took on this identity. They were called the lovable losers. And I, I remember talking to Cubs fans, and they were kind of okay with that. They were kind of like, yeah, that's what we do. We, we have these great Friday afternoon games, and we play and lose and party. And they seemed to be okay with that. And so all of that changed in 2016 when they finally won the World Series. Now, I always thought in those days, even their mascot, you know, there was the bears that are like fierce and mean, and there's the cubs that are like safe and soft and docile. So they were just messed up, but that year everything changed. It makes me think of this, this passage here, and I want to identify four different things out of this passage. And the first one is this a culture of brokenness. I see this, and just like those Cub fans, that you say, oh yeah, we're just a lovable losers. There's something, and it's actually a psychological term called groupthink, where we begin to take on the mindset of the group. And this is a, a dangerous place for us to be if we're not hearing the voice of the Lord. And that's what we want to hear today is the voice of the Lord. And so we see in verse 3, we're going to reread what you already read. Within these colonnades lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, obviously, that in a primitive culture, uh, there was not many provisions for the disabled. One of the great things that have happened in our country in the last 30 or 40 years was the American Disability Act. It was something that um, both sides of the aisle worked together and worked together to get something done that was helpful uh, to the citizens. Well, th this was not the case, and so we know that disabled people uh, had very difficult lives and had less opportunity than disabled people have today. But I want us to look beyond this and, and see this as a word picture of our brokenness spiritually. Where we are spiritually when we're broken, when we're separated from God. And it's easy to get into a mindset that everyone is broken, and so I am broken too. Now, I remember the 20th century church. That's back when it was like the 1990s, and I can remember the 1980s. Some of us are old enough to remember the 20th century church. And here's one of the things I did not like about the 20th century church. Back in the day, people used to do a lot of pretending at church. So if you had an issue in your life, you wouldn't tell anyone about it. You would hide that issue. You would cover it up. You would sneak around it. You would not want anyone to know of any weakness in your life. And that did not help anybody. And so I'm so glad one of the positive things about our church and really most of the churches that I'm in relationship with, uh, most of the churches even in the North Nashville region, a positive thing is, is that it's okay to be broken. It's okay to have issues that you're dealing with. It's okay to come as you are. In fact, we sang that earlier, didn't we? Bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Don't hide them. Bring them. Let, let's get help. And so that's a good thing. And that, that's something very positive about, about the church today. But like anything that's good, there's challenges to that. And here is the challenge. We're bonded by something. And so we can be bonded by our brokenness. Like I can, in fact, I'll do some of this today, even in this sermon. I'll start listing things you may be dealing with. And often that's the Holy Spirit 
you know, having me list certain things, but even those that I put in my notes that I read out, there's a sense of, okay, I'm not alone. Okay, if you're dealing with this, if you're dealing with that, we start, we'll start saying these things, and you feel this bond. It's cohesion. They call, we call it social cohesion. Like, we're all broken people together. That's good it, unless we stay in that place. Because, see, we're not just called to assemble broken people and then feel good about our brokenness. We are called to transformation. And so we gather in our brokenness because we're moving towards transformation. And I'm not completely transformed. I'm not like Jesus yet, but I want to be more like him this week than I was last week. We are in the business of letting the Holy Spirit transform lives. And so we bring our weakness and we bring our brokenness and we come here for transformation. But what concerns me is, are we becoming accustomed to a culture of brokenness? And let me ask you this question. I want to ask this with love. I want to ask this because I care for you and I care for your future. Are you so comfortable with your brokenness that you're not pursuing transformation. It's not God's will for you just to find a place where you're accepted. That's just the, the, the first step. That's the entry point. But we find that place of acceptance, and then we allow Jesus to change us, and we allow Jesus to transform us, and that's what's happening in this passage, and I believe that's what you're going to see. I, I was a youth pastor for a long time. A long time. I don't know why. Why I, I went British just there for a second. I, I, was, I was youth pastor for a long time, people. And, and I remember the story very, very clearly. Um, another youth pastor told me the story. Uh, they were packing up for a youth camp. And, you know, it would have been a great week. That's why we believe in youth camp here. That's why, guys, your giving helps subsidize our youth camp and many of you scholarship kids because so many good things happen at children's camp and youth camp. And so that energy of transformation was within the group. And they're packing up the bus, and everyone has had a great week, and God had changed lives and bonded the group together, and and everyone was ready to come off that mountaintop, that metaphorical mountaintop, and go back and live for the Lord. But there was one young lady, a teenage girl, who who had had a great week, but she was by herself, and she wasn't, she was, you know, despondent and was crying somewhat and, and was really down. And so the youth pastor and his wife went to talk to her and they said, what's going on? She said, I don't want to leave. And they're like, well, you know, I understand that. But we're going to go back. And they said everything a pastor would say. We're going to go back and things are going to be fine and things are going to be better. I didn't mention this girl who came from a, a home that didn't support Christianity. So she didn't have that underpinning that, that some of us have. And, and it made things more difficult. And so she said, no, you don't understand. I know that when I go back, the changes won't last. The youth pastor and his wife, again, told her everything you would tell her if you're putting yourself in that situation now. But to my knowledge, she, she couldn't turn that corner, at least in that moment, that she just accepted that this was just a one-week experience and that things couldn't change. I think that the enemy lied to her and that that lie became a stronghold in her life. Y'all know a stronghold, we don't talk about this as much as we used to, but a stronghold is a thought that's strongly defended. 
And so you have a stronghold in your life, and it's a thought, and you build up walls around that, and it becomes something in your life, a way of thinking that opposes Scripture, that opposes the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and maybe we'll talk about that some more another time. I haven't taught about that in a while. But this was a stronghold in her. That's why we tear down strongholds in the name of Jesus. The stronghold in her was, I can't change. The stronghold in her is, things are always going to be the same. The stronghold in her is, this, this, this move of the Spirit, this week of youth camp, is temporary but not permanent. And so this leads us to the second category, the acceptance of the norm. And I'm calling you not to accept what has been normal in your life. Because the Lord wants to do and is doing, he doesn't want to, he is doing new and fresh things in you. And by the Spirit, you'll perceive that. And so verse 6, we can now get kind of to the heart of this message. When Jesus saw him laying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, and here's the key question, do you want to get well? And, And this is a question I want to ask you today. Because I want you to think about, do you want to get well? We'll read the rest of the scripture and I'll comment on it. Verse 7, sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. So we'll get to that in a moment. Verse 6, do you want to get well? And I, I could make you feel bonded with Christianity in this place, if I start to say, okay, some of you are, are dealing with abuse. Some of you are dealing, uh, you know, with a broken home. Some of you, um, you, you've been the victim of a spouse who's left you. And, and, and start listing these things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does that, but I'm saying listing these things makes us think, oh, okay, I'm not alone. Someone knows who I, you know, someone knows who I am. A term I'm hearing a lot from younger preachers right now. We see you. We see you. You know, you, you were seen. And there's something powerful about that, but that's not enough. Because I, I want you to hear this. I'm asking this through the scripture. Do you want to be just known or do you want to be made whole again? Do you want to be made well? Are Thirst for community, and, and our, we ache for community. I mean, we thirst for it, even if we don't admit it. Our thirst for community says, I want to be around people like me. And that's a powerful gift from God. That's why we're here this morning, right? We're, we're Jesus people. We're here this morning. But just getting around people with your same needs is not the end. It's the beginning, By the Spirit now, I'm asking you through the Scripture, do you want to get well? Or have you, are you living in the place of excuse? Verse 7, this was this man's excuse. Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. You know, I'm using this story as a parable today is what I'm doing to illustrate a spiritual truth we're dealing with, is we often think other people are always ahead of us. Well, if I had their opportunity, if I had their parents, if I had their money, right? If I had their education, if, if, I, if I had that chance, then I wouldn't be among this, this community of broken. And so, so we... We begin to think that the way things have been will always be the norm. 
Someone's always going to get the break that I don't get. Someone's always going to get the opportunity that I don't get. Someone's going to be seen when I'm overlooked. This is one of the lies that limits the work of God in our lives. Because I want to tell you this, is the Lord loves you. And because the Lord loves you, he doesn't withhold opportunities from you. The Lord gives you what you need, when you need it, how you need it, because he loves you and he loves your story and he loves the way it's unfolding. He loves you in such a distinct way that out of love, he doesn't give you something that would ruin you yet. What you have called good for you, the Lord says, it's not good for you yet. What you have called better, the Lord said, that's not better for you. Because the Lord knows you, and he knows your future, and he knows the the, the plans that he has for you. And so he is watching over the environment of your life. And by his spirit, he's leading you, and he's leading you into that preferred future that he has for you. And so here it is. We cannot get accustomed to the norm. We can't just say, hey, I'm here among the broken, and I feel accepted, and I feel good. And yes, somewhere nearby, the healing waters are going to stir, but that's really not for me. Healing's for someone else. I want to tell you this, is the voice of the Lord says healing's for you. Because at the place of brokenness, and at the place that you have called normal, the voice of the Lord breaks in. And that's what I'm pointing you to right now. There is a voice from the Lord that he wants you to hear. Because the voice of the Lord is what has changed everything. What we now call the planet Earth was formless and there was, there was darkness. And the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1 that the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters and there was a chaos here. But the Lord spoke and by the voice of the Lord, creation began. Creation wasn't a one-time event. How many know we are living in creation right now? We are living in the creation of the Lord. And every spring and every summer, we get to see the creator begin to pour out new, his creativity. And he's creating new things. He's renewing the earth. He's renewing you right now. He's renewing your future. He's renewing your relationships. He's renewing your opportunities. This is the Lord's work if you can perceive it. The voice of the Lord shakes the norm. The voice of the Lord literally created the world out of chaos. The voice of the Lord was on Mount Sinai and what is now summarized as the Ten Commandments, the law of the Lord, which, in the, which is perfect in his holiness. The voice of the Lord created the law of the Lord. The voice of the Lord was through the prophets who kept speaking to the chosen people, calling them back to the Lord. The voice of the Lord was on the mountain of transfiguration when Peter, James, and John were there. And he said, hey, this is my son. Listen to him. The voice of the Lord was in the tomb when Mary, the one who followed Jesus, she, she thought he was a gardener. She thought he was someone there just tending the tomb. But when he called her name, the voice of the Lord revealed that he was the Messiah. This is the power of the voice of the Lord. His voice changes everything. And some of us, and I want to say this with love in my heart, And just hope in my voice. We've been in a culture of brokenness. And we've thought, this is the norm. This is the way it's always going to be. This is the way my life will always exist as. And today, the Lord's voice is saying something different. That's why the third category is this, the divine voice. 
And I put parenthetically, not because it's, it's extra or anything different. I said Jesus because I like the sound of the divine voice, but I want to make sure you know the divine voice is a specific person, God named Jesus. And the divine voice, which is Jesus himself, speaks to us. In verse 8, he said to the man, get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. And I just have a feeling that today, some of you who have accepted a culture of brokenness, and you have accepted that, that someone else is ahead of the line uh, uh, front, in front of you and have stolen your blessing, stolen your opportunity, stolen your dreams, and maybe you've wrongly accepted that. The voice of the Lord is breaking into your life today, and he's saying, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I want to tell you this, that Jesus has called you to a higher place. Jesus has called you to a higher vision. Jesus has called you to a higher opportunity. You are not stuck. You are not at a place where you're going to stay in a culture of brokenness. He has a plan. Jesus called the man to healing. Jesus called the man to wholeness. Jesus called the man to transformation. And so are we called. We're called to the same thing. And it is not as far, as, as far away as you think because wholeness and transformation is in his presence. It's available to you. He is after you. He is calling you to transformation. So I, I want you to hope again. I want you to hope again. I want you to believe again that Jesus can do in you what he's done for others. You're not overlooked. You're not left out. You are not one that he is. It's very particular. That's why he reaches different people in different ways. And this, in the next seven days, I'm just going to ask you to begin to just turn your attention to the Lord just one way. Is he going to speak to you through creation? Is he going to speak to you through a song that you haven't heard in a long time? Is he going to speak to you through an invitation from a brother or sister to have coffee? Is he going to speak to you through the voice of a child? Listen, get your spiritual ears open. He is speaking to you through his scripture and ways and by his spirit because he, he loves you. He is calling you out of brokenness. But the call of God is not just about call, being called out of brokenness. The call of God is also for others. Paul was called out of brokenness. He was called on the road to Damascus out of brokenness. And, and he was healed from his spiritual blindness. And then he entered the kingdom of God through the church. That's why I believe in the church. I believe that the kingdom of God is manifested in these days through the church. And, and the church is such an important role. Paul's an example of that. When he was called in ministry, he was called to the church. And further in his ministry, I, I want to point out a more positive call. Not just a call out of brokenness, but now a proactive call from a place of healing, from a place of health, from a place of rest and Sabbath, from a place of wholeness, from a place of spiritual maturity. God calls you into to something very specific. And I'm going to share with you something called the Macedonian call. And Macedonia is an area where now we, we would call it Greece. Uh, modern day Greece is where that, this area was. And God called Paul through a vision to a very specific group of people. Let's look at Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision. 
in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And Paul had this very distinct call to go to Greece. Now, when I was growing up, it was not cool to be a missionary. In fact, we'd be like, God, please don't call me to be a missionary because, you know, we all loved America and just, just didn't want to go overseas. We didn't. Now, because of globalization, now it's like really cool to go on a mission trip. It's really, really cool to get a two-to-four-year two four call to Asia or to Europe. You know, there's not a whole lot of lifers anymore. People are like, hey, you know, I feel a call. I'd like to be a missionary to London for about two to four years. Wouldn't you like that call? That'd be all right. I'll raise money for two to four years and then come back and live in America after that. So there, there's a lot of um, missions. It's kind of funny this day because it, it kind of sometimes feels more like uh, mission vacation, if you ask me. It really does. It, it's like, hey, I want to go live this kind of exciting life for a couple of years and then come back to my safe life in America. So that's where we are now. The hardest call, I think, sometimes is across the hall. So like we have a call for five feet across to our children's ministry. We have an awesome 22-year-old pastor she is doing a great job. And I mean, last week, man, I was trying to, I went by at 845 and there, were, there was no one there but her. her. Um, and so I waited with her till some of the other workers showed up because we always, always have to have two adults with kids. And I waited there and, and some wonderful workers showed up, um, you know, five minutes till when the service started. So th they've been doing it for years. And so I thank God for them. It's not their fault or anything like that. But, but it, it, we, we're, we're low on kids ministry. Okay. So here's the deal. I know, I know how, to, how to get some volunteers. But volunteers only last for a few weeks. And then, and then they get tired. I, I'm asking you. Who in here, and this is a great time to do this because Awana doesn't start for two months, okay? If it was starting this Wednesday, it would be manipulative. But who around here can see a little, a little kid with an Awana vest saying, hey, come listen to me. And listen to me as I memorize my scriptures. Come teach me the books of the Bible. Do you, do you see that call? Do you see the call to the youth ministry? We've got... We've got and there's an application process, so you can't just be youth staff if you want to. But considering if you pass the process, the youth pastor is always like, be careful, be careful how you recruit. There's, there's small groups of, of high school students, junior high students that need friends. They need friends. We don't need someone just to show up and to like kind of bumble in from work and kind of read some questions to them so that we can say, oh, we got seven high school small group leaders. I know. Who's called? Who's called to invest in high school students? I mean, who's called to be there for them when, when, when they're lonely, to be there for them when they're afraid, to be there for them when, when they're confused? This is the call. So just as Paul had this call from the Macedonian man saying, come to us. Man, we're going to have, June's going to be a tough month for us because you guys are going to travel. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm going to try to preach a bunch in June and July because what's happened the last few years is our core goes on vacation, which is a good thing, and 
we have tons of visitors in June and July. And it's kind of can be like a sleepy kind of service. Lots of gray spots, you know, as I look around, kind of like the services this morning. Who's called to the parking lot? Right? Who's called to the parking lot to say, hey, I want to be that first place of love. Who wants to be in the lobby, not just to stand there and wear a badge, but to say, man, God, who are you bringing to our family? Who, who are you bringing to our family? Who can we say hello to? Who can we say? We are a family expecting guest. So this call, this call is a call not just for healing, not just for change, not just for engagement, not just for mobilization, but it's a call. It's a call to our church. It's a call to our neighborhood. It's a call to the ministries of our church. And sometimes it's much easier to say, I'm called to Asia or I'm called to the remnants of Ukraine than it is to say, I'm called to Awana and I'm called to the children's check-in and I'm called to the parking lot and I'm called to the mowing team. So judge your heart. Because some of you are delaying a call to the nations. The Lord has delayed the call to the nations because you're not willing to be called to the house. You've got a calling in this house. You've got a calling and assignment here. And we won't be who God's called us to be. I know we've got visitors over here. I'm not talking to you guys. I'll go to this side of the church, okay? Okay. We are not, we are not called to be who God's called us to be if we don't answer, answer that call to him. And there has to be, here's my last category, a willingness to walk. A willingness to walk. Verse 9, instantly the man got well. Hey, that's great, right? Jesus did for him what he could not do for himself. But then he picked up his mat and started to walk. And I just want to call you. Man, whatever God's put on your heart, whatever he's done for you, pick up the mat and walk. Take a step. Find a direction. Dream again, and then put action towards those dreams. Make your move towards the will of God and see what God does when you just say, hey, this is, this, is, this is my situation now. This is where I'm now. This is where the city I'm called to. This is the church I'm called to. And this is the place. I'm going to use my gifts for the glory of God. Some of you may be called to North Nashville. You may be called to White House or Hendersonville or Gallatin or Goodlettsville or you know, I'm saying any place that you can drive the CIL from. That's my selfish reasons. And, and the Lord, you may, you may be offered a $30,000 raise uh, to, to go to Illinois. And um, can I just tell you that that may not be God's will. If he's called you to a geographical location, pray about it. Pray about it before you take the money. Pray about it before you take the money because you'll spend the money. And the money, you'll, you know, you'll absorb that money in your budget. It won't, it won't make any difference. But if you, if you leave the place God's called you, you leave the city God's called you to, you leave the community God's called you to, there may be regrets. There may be regrets. And you watch, the Lord will pay back what you think you've lost. Because he's the provider, isn't he? Huh? He provides what we need according to his riches, according to all the good things that he has.